0: Good morning. Good morning. We are blessed in once that's the word here. As we look around this morning, we have families among us. And when they are here not traveling, we have a couple with a we have some couples with young children that are just now starting their families and we are familiar with that. We're reminded each time we hear the little ones cry out, there's the future generation of the church coming upon us as we move forward. But at the same time, when we think of it in that stance, we also realize that is not the only way to form a family. There is another way in which we can form a family. It has been used for centuries. And I know many of you have probably seen of couples go through this as I have, and that is simply called adoption. If you have ever been with someone or know someone who has gone through that process, it can be very tedious. I know I've been through it with the state of Tennessee. Need I say more? I know what it's like, it is a difficult and hard process. But the end of it is beautiful because then you begin to see a family formed or united or become because a child has been added to that family. We realize that it is not nothing, it is not new, it has been around for centuries. This has been mankind's way of being able to take care of children who have been either abandoned by families or the families have met untimely death and found those children left alone, the government of some way or another or even private agencies have picked up those children and tried to raise them and at the same time place them in homes with people who wanted them, who could not have children for whatever reason that may be. They have gone through the process and have been accepted and they they are able to pick out a child to take home with them and make that child part of their families. So Paul uses that as an example for us. In the Galatians, the fourth chapter, verse 1, verse 2, verse 6, and verse 7, here's what the apostle has to say. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he's owner of everything, but he's under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. Because you are sons. God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now what does Paul remind us here in this reading? First of all, it reminds us that at one time we were slaves. In this case, he is referring not to physical slavery, but the slavery of sin, the slavery of the world. But notice, as he says in here, we, not, we were at one time slaves, but now, he says, we are heirs. We are, as it were, children of God. And he's simply saying, when we didn't even deserve to receive this, we did not deserve to be asked to be a part of a family. God took care of us and claimed us through his son, Jesus Christ. And through this process, what happens? We become legal heirs of everything pertaining to what happens with God. We are heirs of everything, full and legal, all the way to the end of our lives. This is what adoption does. But what does God do? When we come to this word called adoption, what does God do? And what is involved? First of all, we know the first, uh, first thing is that it means that God simply is choosing us, unlike a biological relationship where a, a couple has children that child that child is born through the natural birth processes, and that child is either a boy or a girl, and that's, that happens because of natural processes through adoption, the parents have the opportunity to decide which Child, they want boy or girl. They have, that, they have that ability to choose between the two. They have also the ability to choose whether they want a newborn baby that a mother's willing to give up or if they're willing to take a child that is five or six or seven or eight years old. That is the difference. And then through that, they go through a rigorous process and it is rigorous, no joke, which you have to go through in order to be able to adopt a child. The paperwork involved, the visits by social workers and others in your home as they go go through all this process of knowing what's involved and in all of this though, you have a right. This is what we want in our child. We have that right. And they will work with you to do their very best to make sure that you are able to get the child that you have asked for, whether it be a boy or a girl. They will work with you in that respect. And from that moment, that child is found. That child is viewed by the parents. That parent has time to visit with that child and spend time with it. They have decided after a while, yes, this is the child we want. They go through the process. The paperwork is completed. And that child becomes theirs. They have chosen that child. Is that not the very same thing God has done with us? Absolutely. Did he, has He chosen us in spite of who we are? Has He not chosen us spite of the fact whether we're overly a horrible sinner or one that maybe be in our eyes not as bad as anyone else? Absolutely, He's chosen us. What does Romans 5 and 8 remind us? God, what does it say? Demonstrates His own love toward us. Why? And that while we were still sinners, what, Paul? Christ died for us. This is a beautiful verse. A magnificent summation of what God has done for us as He chooses us. He describes in essence what He has done to save us. He's telling us what He's done to bring us into His family. He's chosen us. He has allowed Christ to die for us. There's the payment price as it were. In spite of the fact that we are the ones who rebelled against Him. Chosen us. We're unworthy to really be called the children of God. But God chose us anyway and sent Christ to die for us. He is in the process of wanting to adopt us. He didn't have to. He doesn't have to forgive us. He doesn't even have to take us back. Who sinned? Him or us? We know the answer. But God did all of those things for one important reason. Because he loves us. He chooses us. Because he loves us. That is the main key ingredient. But not only does God choose us. But adoption also means. We. Choose God. Many couples who have gone through the adoption process, at times have had a list, of, or here's a, two or three uh, kids that are up for adoption, look them over and decide which one of these that you side, and they make the choice. Ah, but there's the other side of that coin. What about a young couple who looks at, uh, a, a, like a brother or sister, says, we'll take both of them, we'll take and raise them together, because they're already brothers and sisters, we'll raise them. These children may have come from a difficult background. These children may have had all kinds of baggage with them when they come. The children have already known another life. Now, and wore a different last name, lived in different circumstances. They're unfamiliar with the people who's about to adopt them. The children have a choice. They have a choice. Will they love these new parents? Will they accept their ways and how they live and what the parents do for a living? Will they accept that? Will they choose to love these people who in return have said to them, we want to extend our love to you. We've chosen you. Will that child choose that new parent? The child has a choice in this as well. Is it not the same thing when we look at us? Is it not exactly the same way that we have a choice accepting God in His ways? Absolutely. Did God send His Son? Yes, He did. We all know that. We know that He, as John 3, 16 reminds us, God's what? So loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So here is, God has said, I'm giving to the world and here's, my, here's the paperwork, here's the means of becoming my child. I'll, I'm choosing you, here's what I want you to do. Now, notice, we have the right to either accept or reject it. When you look at it for a moment, at the invitation, when it's extended whether here or any other congregation of God's people. You do not see anybody pray now saying, all right, come on, you're coming, it's your turn, get out of here. Put a gun to your head, you're coming down, you're going to become a child of God whether you want to or not. You don't find that, do you? We're not coerced, we're not forced. God has extended His love, He has extended His Son, He has extended the terms of adoption, and He's saying unto you, here it is. You can accept it or you can reject. it. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 20, Paul described it this way, that in reference to your former way of life, you are to rid yourselves of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, the light, in the likeness of God has created in the righteousness and holiness of truth. reminds us of something he reminds us all right, we know god has chosen us god sent his son to all the world to save everyone the great commission is going to all the world and to preach the gospel not to a select few but to every christian on the face of the earth god has done all of that but notice what paul says if you accept god's invitation to become his child You are going to accept His new way of life. You're going to accept His new name. You are going to accept His new attitude toward all things. Now what does He mean? In adoption, in a real adoption, the child's former life is no more. It's gone. He's now got a new life with a new family and everything, and he's agreed to it, and he abides by the rules of that new family. We were once in Satan, now we're part of Christ. We have chosen God. We've said we want to become a child of God, we want to live as a child of God. And if we choose to be adopted by God, then we should act like his children. Because we've told the world that we want to reflect God's glory. His righteousness and his values in our own lives. God has chosen us. We have the right to choose God. But also, adoption means we choose a new name. We all know that adoption is a legal responsibility. A lot of paperwork is involved. That is no joke. A lot of paperwork involved, and it's a legal responsibility. And once all that paperwork is filled out and it's all governed by the state authority, the state courts. But again, there's more to it than just merely accepting a legal obligation and signing some papers. In this adoption, and when it becomes legal and final, a parent now has to learn to love a child that they have not previously known. They have chosen from this day forward to worry about that child and care for that child and that they have legally accepted for the rest of the days of their lives. And one of the ways they do that is that child now will bear their last name. He has become adopted into that family. His birth certificate, the papers, all will now reflect he was little John Smith. Now he's little John Jones. He belongs to that family, and the only thing those parents hope and pray that that child will bring honor and distinction to that family name. That's all they're asking: that that child brings honor and distinction to that family name. Has God given us a new name? It's in the city of Antioch where we learn what? The disciples were first called what? Christians. In the city of Antioch. You see, like in the real world or the world of the state, when we are adopted, we are given a new name. That name designates our relationship with God. That name, it only lets it be known that we are now in a new relationship, that we're part of this family. We bear that last that name. We're acknowledging our relationship to God. We are acknowledging our dependence upon God. But, but, sometimes... Adopted children no do not behave as well as parents would like them to be. You see, a lot of times, older children who have been either abandoned by parents or parents die and been left in the care of either a private agency or the state, when they come to your house, they ha- you've chosen that child, that child has chosen you, But there are times that child comes with baggage. Comes with baggage. And one of the biggest things that comes in that baggage is a thing that this child has had very little of in his life up to then. It is called trust. And it is called love. they have been to the point they don't hardly trust anybody. And even though you have adopted them, you're going to have to work with them to earn their trust and earn their love. At times, it's hard to do so because the child won't talk. They clam up. They don't want to talk about what's happened in the past. And their way of dealing with it is is not talking about it involved. all. It becomes very hard for you at times to fully understand what that child's going through because they won't tell you what's happened to them in the past. Part of that baggage. Part of that baggage. We have to deal with that. And so when they have adopted a child... They have to understand that and learn to work with that child to help them, to show them that they can trust you, to show them that you do forevermore, do love them, that you're not going to give up on them, that you do care about them, that you want to help them, and you want them to grow and become a fulfilled person. Isn't God the same way? isn't God also the same way that he wants he knows what he when we come to him we become a child of God and we raise out of that watered grave he sees us he knows what he's getting he knows our background he knows everything wrong with it, but he still wants us and he still wants us to wear that name called Christian but here's the thing at times like in the real world the same is true in the spiritual world. There are those who think that once they become a child of God, if they, after they become one and still new and growing, that if they do anything is wrong and horrible in any way, God will disown them. In the real world, a child begins to think, if I do anything harm, bad, that parent will take me back to that agency and say, here he is, like you take a dog back to the dog pound, I don't want him anymore. That's their worry and that is real to them, not a figment of their imagination. And some people tend to think God's the same way. That when we do something bad after becoming a child, He'll disown us. But loving parents don't give up on that child they have adopted. They work with that child. They love it. They discipline it. They patiently work with instruct that child so he can grow and become what he needs to be. May I ask a silly question? is God not a better parent than we are? You know the answer. Does God give up on us? No. Once we're adopted, once we bear that beautiful name called Christian, He does not abandon us. He does not walk out on us. He does not hand us back to Satan and say, I've had enough. I can't change him. never happens. He loves us way too much to give up on us. Remember, Christ died for every one of us. There's the love. He died for every one of us. Yes, God will chasten us. Hebrews 12 and 6 reminds us, For whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, and He punishes every son whom He accepts. God will discipline us as necessary when we do that which is wrong. But the God of heaven who loves us, who sent His Son to die for us, who has given us this marvelous world of which to live in, will not abandon you when you do that which is wrong. Does not the prodigal son answer that question? Absolutely. He loves us because of the main thing, the cost that he cost him to redeem us, which was the blood of his son on Calvary. God gives us his name, and he will patiently love us, work with us, discipline us, and help us grow, that we can wear that beautiful name and reflect the glory of God when we walk on the face of the earth. But only that is God makes us a family. When parents adopt a child, a new family is formed. It can be in a family where there are already children. And so when another one is adopted in, that whole family has to learn to love this new person that's coming to the family. Learn to love and accept all that comes with that individual, that young child who comes and be a part of them. So they learn to adjust and learn to get along. Sometimes it's a one child that's adopted by a couple who's not able to have children, so they adopt one child. Even then, that's a change because here up to now it's just been the husband and wife together. Now a child is in the home. Things become different, and they learn to adjust because now the family is a part of them. They learn to adjust, they learn to grow. And that time of adjustment is easier when everybody in that home loves one another. We know, if we said a moment ago, adopted children bring so much pain from the past. It's hard for them to trust. As we said a moment ago, it's hard for them to struggle and to be close to anyone after so long a time. But still, they are part of that family and they wear that name. The same is true when God adopts adopts us into His family. Look around us. We're all different. In many congregations, several Christians who have become children of God, who have been adopted by God through the process live very sinful lives before becoming a child of God. Very sinful lives. And at times as they become a child of God, it's a struggle for them because they're having to grow to learn what it is to be a part of a new family. And as it is in a real family adopting child, it takes patience and love. It takes the same thing in the family of God. Patience and love. Here is where we as a congregation of God's people play such an important role. Listen to Romans 15, the first three verses. Paul again speaks, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just to please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even Christ not pleases himself, but as is written, the taunts of those who taunt you have fallen on me. What did Paul just tell you? One of the greatest challenges of being part of the family of God is learning to get along with God's other adopted children. Plain and simple. When new Christians come into the family of God, as we said a moment ago, when they're unfamiliar with His practices, when they've had, a, maybe they've had a very horrible background in their, what they've done in their previous life, at times for a while they feel kind of un, really, are they sure that they've really been, those sins have been washed away? They're kind of having some hard times struggling between the two, trying to get hold of what's going on in their lives, the changes being made. They want to be part of the family of God and their struggles when they do. God has chosen them. God has given our name. What are we to do? Paul just told you. God's other children, the ones who have been in the family for a long period of time. What is your job? What is your possession? He tells you, you are to help those who are weak. You are to help them as they try to grow as a child of God. You are to encourage them to smile, to be helpful to whatever it needs to be done. You are there to help them to grow and understand. You are part of the family of God. this marvelous, wonderful family of God. That we are an heir of God's blessings and a joint heir with Christ. We no longer really have to worry about Satan's power. We've got now the ability to fight him and win. They need to understand, here's the power to overcome. It's the Word of God. Help them grow in that Word. Help them understand. And if they stumble all the way, you're there to help pick them up. Help them pick them up and don't abandon them. That's all He's saying to us. He wants us to understand. And again, once we have been adopted to God's family, we are His children. And our duty is to reflect that wonderful name we've been given. Our responsibility is to live our lives before the world, that we are children of God. In spite of what we are, weak, wise whatever it may be in our lives, just keep reminding ourselves, God has made us heir. And we enjoy all the blessings God has given unto us as His children not only on this earth, but a place in heaven that John says is beyond description. No parent can give you that one. Only the God of heaven who's able to give you that when life is over. A place of constant rest. A place... For forevermore be with the rest of your brothers and sisters in Christ who've gone on before. Jesus told Nicodemus correctly Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That new birth is no small event. It is the process in which you go through to become a child of God. God has laid out the terms, what is necessary to become one of His precious children. The state has its regulations. The state has its laws that you have to follow to adopt a child and bring that child into your home. And you cannot skip any of those in order to do it. God has laid out His terms to become His precious children. Here is the requirements. Here's the qualifications, if you please, to become a part of His family. We have to obey them all. We can't skip one, can we? Because we wouldn't be a child of God if we did. This morning, if you want to be adopted in this marvelous family, everything's ready. God is simply standing in the aisle like that prodigal son's father was, waiting for you to come. Whether you're not a child of God, here's one time to become a child of His, buried and baptized, raised to walk that new life, now into the family of God that we sung a moment ago. Or if you're a child who strayed from the truth, He's standing there waiting for you to come home. He's a loving Father. As a wayward child, He's looking for you to come back home and He'll welcome you with open arms and forgive you of whatever you've done, and restore you back to that beautiful family name that he's given to all of us as his children. Think on that while together we stand and while we sing. <clears throat>